Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic podcast number 830, April 14th, 2022. 89 degrees was the record high on this day. That was in 2003, and it was 19 degrees on two occasions. That's what it feels like today. 1826 and 1928, and I bet you all remember this. Almost 14 inches of snow on this day in 1983. And here are the ice outs, because mm-hmm. we're in the sweet spot, brought to you by Aquaside. Minnetonka went out on this day in 1887, 1877. I mean, let's start over. 1877, 1887, 1918, 1961, and 2011. White Bear Lake went out on this day in 1961, 1983, and 1984. And despite the winds, which are currently 472 miles an hour. How windy is it? With blowing snow. And it's really fun to watch those pilots land in this weather. Oh, it's just, they're fighting that stick, man. Holy cow. How would you do in a landing like this? I'd be all right. I'd be okay. I like wind. Uh, So we're not ready to swim yet, but when you are, Aquaside will be there for you to help keep your beach free of weeds and algae. They've been maintaining Great Lake Shores for more than 60 years. White Bear Lake Company. They have a complete line of lake and pond control products that take care of everything from weeds to algae. The products are easy to use. They work quickly. They're registered with both the EPA and DNR, so those products are safe. There's no need, no need whatsoever to let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside today. They'll help you identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. The uh, Aquaside pellets... Uh, for example, are easy to use, and you simply fan them out over the tr- uh, treatment area, and they begin working right away. Call Aquaside at 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. Really quick, Mark yep. wanted you to know ice was out on Tuesday on Prior Lake. Wait, I'm not done with those. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not done with those. Steve uh, Mulholland from the Belly of the Beast. Well, let's start the show before you start reading emails. Okay, so I'm sorry. A, no. I'm sorry if it's my offended anyone. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. And speaking of ice outs, uh, Steve writes, I know you are averse to a proliferation of ice out announcements, but it's been a long winter over here in Liberal Lakes. So may I announce the ice is out on Liberal Lake Harriet, Liberal Lake of the Isles, and Liberal Lake Calhoun, now going by the name of Bada Bing Bada Boom. Okay, ice is out. I'm uh, given this weather forecast and what we're experiencing. I'm going to uh, continue to cling to my May ice out prediction for Lake Minnetonka. Okay. And I've got two more notes on ethanol, and I swear to God, <laughs> I swear to God, that's it. I'm never doing it again, ever. It's so windy. <laughs> Abortion, call now. Well, Jesus. one of them's one of them's from the blur. Scott Christensen. Oh, Scotty. Number one, ethanol has about half the energy that refined gasoline has. So, if you have a ninety percent, ten percent mix of gas ethanol, you have ninety-five percent of the energy per gallon as a gallon of pure gas. Eighty-five percent, fifteen percent, you are down to ninety-two point five cent of the 
5% of the energy compared to pure gas. This translates to fewer miles per gallon, so if the cost per mile is considered, you would have to do the math. Say you have $4, uh, a $4 gallon pure gas that is often sold as for antique equipment and boats if you can get it. If the 10% mix are usual, is it less than the 380, the straight? Scott, you're getting me too confused. What? Never mind. I, I stopped listening virtually instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Just right, as soon as over. you started talking. <laughs> Thanks, Blur. By the way, um, Blur not, made the mistake that we'd actually understand that. Yeah, he should know. Um, you know, come on, Scott. By the way, uh, you heard about the, there was three old guys sitting on a bench. And the first one says. It's a true story. Windy, isn't it? Yeah. Second guy says, no, it's Thursday. Third guy says, me too. Let's go for a pint. Final note on uh, <laughs> ethanol from Jody. The name of this show is Garage Logic. Oh, boy. Yeah. How oh is it boy. possible that you and the dummies don't know anything about gasoline or ethanol? What is your cylinder index? All right, that's it. But I'm offering a defense of myself. I, I, I'm afraid it'll come off as pretty weak. I'm currently driving the first car I've owned in about 15 years that I haven't had to put premium in. So I've never paid attention to it, ever. So long as my station had premium... Uh, ethanol-free premium, I was happy because that's what I was putting in everything I was driving. And now I'm driving something much more modest, and it doesn't require premium. Mm. The two fun cars do. They require premium with sure. non-ethanol. Non by the way, uh, that's I'll, my excuse. Yeah. I just haven't paid attention to it. And if it'll make you all happy, you ethanol freaks, that's what I've been putting in my car since September of 2020. Okay, I have a question for you, uh, Joel. What is the difference between diesel one and diesel two? No idea. I don't care. <laughs> diesel fitter. Um, diesel, I, diesel fitter. By the way, uh, I, I speak for both myself and Rookie when I say neither one of the two of us have ever claimed to be car guys. So we're kind of off the hook on that regard too. Oh, I'm. I mean, you know, I'm in these various sports car clubs and there are people that are just they might as well have a phd in this stuff they break down molecules in uh, the heat of firing and this and that and sounds like thing. fun where do i sign you up? sit around and listen and you just your eyes roll back in uh, your head it, it's well established that the smartest mansplainers on the planet are the ones that go to car shows mm -hmm. oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah social media too <laughs> on facebook you'll find the car guys tend to get a little involved yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Zip writes, John Kerry would be proud of this exchange. Chris. Okay. Yes. Yep, yep. Yep. You might need to start a new bit looking at life from the third rail. War and the changing economy are again viewed as getting in the way of things far more important. This exchange really, again, shows the view of the world that unfortunately is not surprising. As we are seeing war crimes, energy-driven inflation that is creating a greater, finan greater financial harm for people in and near poverty, former President Obama thinks it's time to even do more to reduce fossil fuels. Uh, this is a bitch uh, where Al Roker is asking former President Obama about the impact of the war in Ukraine impacting climate issues. Roker is concerned that climate issues get pushed down when things happen like the war. He asked Obama, do you worry that this is going to push back the initiative? Obama said, it argues for us to redouble our efforts to wean ourselves off fossil fuels. Good for him. But Obama flies on private planes, has homes in Hawaii and Martha's Vineyard, 
and he's an advocate to policy and, and he's an advocate for policies to address climate change. Here's the exchange. Today, climate and Al's exclusive interview with former President Barack Obama. During his eight years in the White House, the 44th president built a legacy of protecting our planet. Climate is one of those things that gets pushed down when yes. things happen. For example, in, in now we've got Ukraine, right. and there's a talk about let's ramp up production of, of fossil fuels because right. you know inflation, higher gas prices. Do you worry that that's you know going to push back the initiative? Well. Interestingly, when we see what's happened with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it argues for us redoubling our efforts to wean ourselves off fossil fuels. Now, his new Netflix series, Our Great National Parks, showcases some of the world's most spectacular settings. This is a journey through the natural wonders of our shared birthright. The former president serving as both executive producer and narrator. In fact, uh, we, we, we have younger kids, Sasha Malia, this generation right. that demands us being better caretakers. Yeah. Will people seeing this heed that call? Well, I think that the, the generation of, of our kids are more mindful of uh, how we haven't always taken care of the planet. During your presidency, you protected more public lands, more waterways than any uh, previous administration. Now that you are a private citizen, is, is climate change and the environment one of your top priorities? I think it has to be one of uh, the top priorities for all of us. All that was was a, uh, a piece allowing Al Roker to be obsequious to Obama and treat him with kid gloves and throw him softball questions. Uh, Obama is a hypocrite, especially given where he's decided to own these wonderful mansions. Al was lathered up. I was uh, I was embarrassed for him. Yeah. By the way, yeah. the segment yeah. on that show is called Climate Today. Okay, what show was that from? On the Today Show, I Oh, I assume. see, I see. And somebody handed Obama another big <laughs> check for millions to pretend he's a Netflix producer, and he's going to give you a tour of the national parks. Climate Today. Yes, Climate Today is, uh, well, I don't know what the temperature is supposed to be today, but this sure as hell don't feel like no April. You know what it'll be? Climate Today Hot tamale. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I like the word redouble. Yeah. Use the word redouble. Does that mean four times? Or quadruple? I guess it must be. Redouble. redouble all over again. I, the, uh, the visual, too, is great, by the way. They're standing in front of the babbling brook. Yeah. Oh, it's just so precious. Climate today. I, I think that, uh, wasn't it Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt who could be most... Uh, credited with establishing a national park system? Yes, actually. And I think it's fantastic. I think I'm You like a nice park? I'm grateful for it and I uh, I love it and uh, and uh, Barack how are I how am I supposed to should I fly myself there on a drone that's solar powered? Uh I have to use uh, fossil fuels to get there. Wait, I, we've canceled Teddy Roosevelt, haven't we? I think Teddy has uh well, yeah, a big statue of him has been removed from the Museum of Art in New York because he had a had an Indian guide with him uh, at his side, or maybe a, a black guide, fellow. I believe it was from an Africa, yeah. uh, African yep. trip. Yeah. You know where they took that statue? Uh, where they put it? To to his museum in North Dakota. Oh boy! Yeah. Did yeah. they get stuck in snow? <laughs> Perhaps this week. Yes. <laughs> if a pine tree goes over, does it go over slowly and just kind of bring up its own root ball with it? In other words, I don't think pine trees snap the way an old maple or an oak might. 
snap. I think when a pine tree goes over, it really doesn't wreck anything. It goes over slowly. Because I got my eye hell? on a couple that I'm worried about. You're, I'm losing you. What in a pine tree? Got, if the wind yeah. blew a pine tree down, oh, I, I okay. think I think the pine tree takes with it on its way to its destruction its entire root ball, which slows up the descent of the pine tree you know, breaking through uh, your roof. We're not in a break. You know that, right? Uh, <laughs> about yes, fifteen I do. years ago, huh? I can answer partially this, Joe. Thank about you. fifteen years ago, a storm blew over two pine trees in my yard. Yep. Uh, this will not help your answer because one snapped off and one the whole root thing came up. So we had both things happen with two different pine trees. Did the one that snapped, or did any of them hurt your house? Uh, no, one just missed our house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and we, we had to get the stump ground down, obviously, of the one. Google, do pine trees break easily? Pine trees, the conifer type of tree that gets very tall and full of foliage up at the top, we find those trees to be most likely to break in high winds or under ice and snow loads in storms. So, speaking of that, um, a pine tree in my yard broke off uh, about halfway up a few years ago. Hmm. These are seventy-year-old pines in my backyard. Well, They're getting kind of scrawny. What we can do then, GLers, in, in addition to including your own personal lake's ice out, let us know what happened to your tree <laughs> in your backyard. Last night I texted you fellows. Uh, yes. Oh boy. Urging you to, I don't know what more to say about Al Roker and Obama. It was just a boilerplate nonsense. Well, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it was like catching them uh, in Flagner. I know the term you're thinking of, but I don't know what it is. Um, It was was just a commercial, really, for Netflix, for the Obama Netflix show. It's like if you walked in on them, you'd back out and go, oh, sorry, sorry, My bad. sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I texted fun, I texted you guys uh, requiring uh, requesting that you read the uh, Pioneer Press version of the story of the detaining, not the arrest, the detaining of four juveniles Monday night uh, on White on about Cope Avenue near White Bear Avenue. Apparently, that's in the Maplewood jurisdiction. It was Maplewood Police who handled this. And the story is that the police in Maplewood received a call of shots fired. Monday night. You guys all read this, right? Yep. Yep. Sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. They received the call of shots fired Monday night, and uh, they were told uh, by the caller that uh, the surveillance uh, camera on this building determined that three shots were fired and four young people were seen walking away from the scene. So the Maplewood police respond to the scene, and they find four people, four juveniles. Uh, and they... They, uh, they detained them for, for approximately 40 minutes, uh, and less than half that time they were handcuffed and seated in squad cars while officers conducted a preliminary investigation. Police received that report at 9.32 p.m. Monday about four juveniles seen outside a business in the 1700 block of Cope Avenue and then gunshots being heard. This is according to uh, an officer in Maplewood, Lieutenant Joe Steiner. Uh, officials... Uh, Officers responded to the area at 9.35 p.m. and located four juveniles about 200 yards from the location of the shots fired, according to police. Two of the kids ran, but then later returned to speak to the officers. These are little kids, said Tanya Guile, whose 12-year-old son was detained, along with two other boys and a girl. They are already traumatized because Guile's 14-year-old son, Marcos Paramo, died in September 
and Monday's encounter made matters worse for them, Guile said. Let me pause. You'll recall this story. We discussed it. We might have even had uh, Sheriff Fletcher on the air concerning it. Paramo and another teen died when they were passengers in a stolen vehicle oh, yeah. that their 15-year-old friend crashed in Maplewood. The driver had fled from law enforcement, said the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office, and a deputy pursuing them lost sight of them before they crashed in the yard. All right. So, so one mother is contending that because of that incident, this was very traumatizing uh, for her 12-year-old son. Uh, who apparently lost because the crash involved with the fourteen-year-old and his friends, they blamed the sheriff, right? The right. sheriff's department right. on that, right? For the pursuit. So the brother of one of these detainees died in a stolen car that was that was crashed. Uh, and now you, we introduce ourselves to Torisha Garraway. Uh, her sixteen-year-old son was also detained Monday night. He was Marcos's best friend. Marcos is the dead, unfortunately dead young man in the car crash. And so Teresha Garraway is telling us her 16-year-old son also was detained Monday night. He was Marcos's best friend, and his father, I presume she's referring to her own son's father, and his father died when he was three, uh, leading to Garraway starting families, supporting families against police violence. I don't know that uh, Tara Garraway's uh, presumably husband... Uh, who died when her 16-year-old son was three years old. I don't know anything about him. I couldn't find anything. I don't know that he died as a result of police violence. And certainly this uh, Marcos child, uh, Marcos Paramo, he didn't die as a result of police violence. He died because... He was in a stolen car that was trying... Yes, right. I've said something very basic before. These kids are not going through that ritualistic learning where the old man puts two barrels out on the street and you learn how to park and back Mm -hmm. up and view everything around you. They don't know how to drive. So Marquez lost his life as a result of a 15-year-old stealing a car and he riding along. But the always available civil rights attorney Ben Crump got into this almost instantaneously. This happened Monday night and Crump was here Tuesday. He represented the family of George Floyd in reaching a $27 million settlement with Minneapolis over Floyd's murder. Uh, He posted uh, on uh, social media about the Maplewood case. He shared a Facebook video Tuesday of Garraway yelling at officers at the scene and wrote that innocent kids sat in the back of a patrol car. This is completely unacceptable. There is body camera footage of what happened Monday night, according to Steiner, the Maplewood Copper. He said Maplewood officers acted very professionally during the incident, and uh, that's exactly how we would expect them to act. Do you all agree with that after watching the Facebook video? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can't nod on the radio, John. You're like that farmer I had at the I, fair. I, I, did. I did say yup. Okay. Uh, violence and gun violence in our communities throughout the metro is an issue, and law enforcement is working diligently to address it, Steiner said. The four kids walked to get food at McDonald's at Cope and White Bear Avenue, which is near their residences, and were heading home Monday night, Guile said. She's a mother of a a 12-year-old who was detained. When police stopped them, the children cooperated. They didn't pose a threat. Well, two of them ran away and then did come back, said attorney Jeff Storms, who, conveniently enough, worked with Crump on the lawsuit brought by Floyd's family. The officers had already determined they were not armed, when they handcuffed them, he added. Two of the younger kids initially ran because they're afraid of police, Garraway said. 
She said her son called her from the back of a squad car asking for help for him and his friends. Guile and Garraway said they're looking into taking legal action over the situation. Three of the children are black and one is Latino, according to the two moms. I personally find it very hard to believe that white children in other communities in Minnesota would have been treated in a similar fashion, Storms said. Storms is the always available lawyer. Police said they stopped the juveniles because they were looking for a group of four and they were near the location of the shots fired just after they were reported. Well, so far, doesn't it seem uh, logical that that's why the police stopped them? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Garraway said when she arrived, she initially talked to police calmly. I didn't see that. No. <laughs> if she was talking calmly, I missed Hold that on. part. Oh. Uh, we don't know that. <laughs> not only do we not know that, we see visual evidence of the exact opposite. As John Hyde pointed out, she has a terribly limited vocabulary. Uh, she told... Uh, uh, Garraway said when she arrived Monday night that she initially talked to police calmly, told them the kids were already traumatized, and asked if officers could take them out of the squad cars in handcuffs. She said they told her, no, we're still doing an investigation. She said she became upset and could be heard cursing repeatedly at officers in a widely viewed video that Garraway's friend posted live on Facebook. A girl who had been detained was crying after she was released, a video showed. She might as well, she might have been crying at the profanity issued by this Garraway. It was frightening. (laughs) What's particularly concerning is that it took two mothers on the scene to get the officers to appreciate and respect the constitutional rights of these children, Storms said. Oh, B.S., pal. The police chief met with Garraway and Storms on Tuesday, and they viewed body camera <coughs> and surveillance footage. Maplewood, I'm almost done. Maplewood police released surveillance footage from a business with a timestamp of Monday at 9.26 p.m., in which three gunshots can be heard. I listened to it. I saw it. And four people were seen walking away. Steiner said police were responsible to, this re- to that report on Monday night. About 20 minutes after the police had detained four juveniles through the investigation and developing new information, they believed that these juveniles were most likely, uh, were most likely involved in the... They believed that these juveniles were most likely involved in the shots fired. In- oh, initially they thought these juveniles were most likely involved uh, in the shots fired... And that's why they were seated in the back of the squad cars and handcuffed. It was a fluid situation. Police were concerned that someone had a gun and it was dark. Steiner said handcuffing is a standard procedure and for the safety of the juveniles, the officers, and the public. When officers were able to review video surveillance, they determined the four juveniles who were detained were not the people in the video, Steiner said. They released the juveniles, who Steiner said were not under arrest during the incident. Police are still looking for the suspect involved in the shots fired as of Tuesday afternoon. Well, the, the uh, I suppose it would be a mother's, what, nightmare to see a child handcuffed in the back of a police car? Sure. Uh, they were as promptly as possible, it seems to me, released from those handcuffs when it was determined, we got the wrong kids here. These aren't the kids. The uh, behavior of Teresha Garraway, I guess, she had been, uh, if you listen to the end of the Facebook Video. I'm not sure her friend did her any favors by recording that. It certainly didn't show any 
police misconduct. It no, just in showed fact, her... they, they did the exact opposite. I yeah. thought that they showed great restraint and professionalism. It turns Anybody out they have... were at a Dante Wright celebration, and they weren't home. And uh, when they came home from that celebration, that's when she got the call from her kid. Oh, okay. So they didn't leave home, no. go they, to McDonald's. She wasn't home. And then come back. Oh, she wasn't home. No, she was, was at, at a Dante, Dante Wright, Wright uh, memorial service. Is it just a, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm an old prude, but a ten year ten uh, year old out that late uh, that doesn't sit right. With I had me. that same thought. Well, we all did, and that and we get nowhere with that. We're, all right, no, you're, no, no. You're racist. That's all. You're racist. Um, how how is that racist? I'm being devil's advocate here. i know uh, and, and i'm answering the devil's advocate how, explain to me i'm not how... c10 i think isn't it 12 the youngest one no, no i ten, thought there was a 10 year old 10 was a 10 year old yeah 10 10 because my yes, oldest 10 is... 12 and 16 and it's it would be a normal reaction in a functioning society to say what i said what what are they doing out it's a school night it's 9 30 at night on a school night they either should be ready for bed or in bed. But that doesn't play because we're at such cultural odds that we are to understand that we don't understand. Hmm. But the, the issue... I have no business telling Tarisha Garraway that your child should have been home to school night. I have no business saying that because okay. I'm an old white man saying get off my lawn is, is how that will be interpreted. But the obligation for uh, Tarisha? Tarisha Garraway. The the obligation on her part, though, is she wasn't home. She's got a 10-year-old running around. Well, no, she was the mother of a... uh, She's the mother of a 16-year-old. I don't know who the mother of the 10-year-old. Guile is the mother of the 14-year-old. Okay. So the mother of the 10-year-old... I'm sorry, Tara... Tara, Tanya Guile is the mother of a 12-year-old. Tanya is the mother of a 16-year-old. I'm not sure who the mother of the 10-year-old is. That's not mentioned. We all know what the problem with situations like this are, and it's not even worth repeating, I guess. What, that there's no dad? Well, not only that, but the fact that there's just... The, the fundamental breakdown of the average American home is what plagues this country more than anything else. I'm sorry. So many of these problems could be could be resolved if there was more structure inside the home. Well, that's... We were talking about this before the show. Tony Dungy is getting destroyed by the far left for simply suggesting and promoting active fatherhood. Yep. What the hell is wrong with people? Well, we've... The center... His has not held, it will not hold, it is not holding, and we're cracking apart. And the the subtext of this story is that it seems perfectly acceptable to these moms to presume that the very presence of a police officer is traumatizing to their child. They're afraid of the police. They, it would be helpful if you parents would teach them not to be afraid of the police. I know there's been trouble in the history of the United sure. States. But uh, you you look at this video for yourself, people, and uh, I think you'll find it hard to uh, uh, arrive at any conclusion that the police were were anything but professional as hell. 
Now, I talked to a liberal woman who said, well, we were discussing this story. She said, well, why didn't the police just give those kids a ride home? And I said, well, is that what police are going to become? They're going to go around at 930 at night and become a taxi service for kids who should be at home? (laughs) Uh, There's also body cam footage that shows them to be very professional also, not just the Facebook footage. And let's talk about the gun. I think the cops would have had every right in the world to wonder, well, we don't know if these are the four kids. They don't have a gun, but what if they ditch the gun under that bush over there and make a dash for it? We don't, they didn't know at that time if these kids would have, been, would have been the one firing the gun. I think you could even make the argument that the cops did these kids a favor by keeping them safe from what then became an unknown gunman. You've got an unknown foursome walking around who video captured firing three shots. Mm-hmm. Cops arrive on the scene. Here's four kids. Get in the car, kids. But what we're also starting to see, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, the first ring is now, it's seeping. Maplewood, Little Canada, Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park. This is seeping now into the, it's not just Minneapolis and St. Paul anymore. Problems like it's this. It's the United States. The the problem I see it is this is just another issue that further restricts the police from doing their job, which is to protect and serve. Yep. You know, it's just another matter where the police have been doing a good job. They did a good job that night. And now when this happens again, they'll be afraid to do their job because every time something happens, they're always accused of malfeasance. This Garraway claims that she initially spoke in a very mild manner. Uh, no, no, she was uh, as profane as anyone I've ever heard. She dressed those cops down with every MFR you could come up with. They just took it. They didn't do a thing. They tried to explain what was happening. And uh, you, you watch. They got the Crump team on this, uh, Ben Crump. Maplewood will be, will be writing a check. Well, taxpayers of Maplewood, maybe you should push back. And, uh uh, decide that you don't want to pay any of your taxes for this. This is There's no reason for a lawsuit that I can see. What are they going to do when uh, the next time their kids are out at 1030 walking to McDonald's and one of them catches a bullet? Mm-hmm. Are they also going to blame the police in that, in that instance? Mm-hmm. I mean, the police are always wrong no matter what the situation here. According to some, yep. It's just so ironic that there's a familial laying on of hands Back to a previous crime, which was the stolen car and the death of these kids' friends. That's, that's just astounding it's, to it's me. It's just amazing. That yeah. the, and then the boy's father died when he was three. We don't know under what circumstances. But uh, I, I think that the, uh, you know, there's a completely different way these two moms could have looked at it. They could have said, hey, thanks. You mean there were shots fired around here and you saw there were four people reported to him doing the shooting? Yes, ma'am. Well, and, and you've determined that it wasn't our kids, right? Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you. Thank who, you. Thank who, you. When we were growing up, who were the only people we feared more than the police? My parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And in Reaver's case... Well, I didn't fear the police. In Reaver's <laughs> well, case, they were the same person. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun growing up. Had, I mean, it was, I had a legitimate fear of the police growing up. <laughs> we had one cop, Swede the cop. There was nothing to fear. Probably had one bullet. Our band would be practicing in the garage, and 
suddenly teens would arrive and uh, I suppose back in that day that would have passed for a crowd an old Swede would show up and he'd say to my old man he'd say hey bud how's this gonna how long is this gonna last right we wrap uh, her up here about 10 p.m. my old man said it'll be 10 p.m. But that's not White Bear Avenue and Cope. That's a different situation. I'm entirely aware of that. I'm entirely aware that uh, we have such generational and ideological differences on this behavior that uh, I, uh, it's hard to repair it. It is so ingrown in me, Such, that if I ended up in jail tomorrow, I would still fear my mom more than anything else. Well, the night I went to jail, I certainly didn't fear the state trooper. I feared the call I had to make at home. Judas Priest, and that phone slammed down. And then just to rub it in, he comes the next morning on a Sunday morning in a suit. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, bud. <laughs> We're so screwed. Uh, what the hell are you going to do? I'll tell you what. What's that, Joe? The Center for the American Experiment wrestles with these kinds of complex topics. They're a think tank that have been in our midst for uh, 30 years. We're grateful to have them. And there's a great tax rally coming up sponsored by the Center of the American Experiment. It'll be April 23rd on the steps of the state capitol at 11.30 a.m. There's a nine, over $9 billion of your tax money has been collected in overtaxation. That's another way to say a surplus. And uh, the Center of the American Experiment is among those calling for reason, calling for Governor Walls and the Minnesota legislature to give back to taxpayers what they've rightly declared as theirs. That's Saturday, April 23rd at 11 a.m. On, on the Capitol steps to determine permanent tax cuts and a reduction in state spending. It's time to make our voices heard and demand accountability and fiscal responsibility. You can RSVP on Facebook and share the graphic to let your friends know you're going. Rally begins at 11. Speakers take the microphone at 11.30. Homemade signs are encouraged. Go to AmericanExperiment.org for more info. And while you're there, check out what they have to offer. They stage great events. They bring in great speakers. They issue great papers. They have a great magazine and a great website. AmericanExperiment.org. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for my good friends at Hofferman Water. They are an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental for Connecticut water treatment systems, including water softeners, iron, rust, and odor filtration systems, and, of course, drinking water systems. I have been a proud customer of Connecticut for a couple of years now in two different homes, and I'm here to tell you that a new system from Connecticut can do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot. A Connecticut system from Hofferman can cut down on salt usage. It's going to protect your appliances. And I'm not kidding when I say that bad water is going to affect every single aspect of your home. Here's the deal. Your laundry is going to become better. Your showers are so much better. And not to mention the improvement in your drinking water. My Connecticut system that I had installed, it's made an amazing difference in the quality of my water. Please get in touch with my friends at Hofferman Water today. Call 952-894-4040. That's 952-894-4040. Or just visit them online at HoffermanWater.com. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life, Joe Souchere. I have a suggestion. It's a Liberty Safe from Maple Grove LockandSafe.com. The Liberty, the best safe ever, top of the line in Maple Grove Lock and Safe, along with 
Mr. Matchmaker himself, Rich. He's the owner and operator. Uh, Liberty safes are made in the United States of America with materials gathered from the United States of America by Americans. Uh, Rich is going to walk you through the process with ease. Make sure you end up with the best Liberty Safe to match your needs, whatever it may be. Uh, the Liberty Safe and Maple Grove Lock and Safe, they have the unit to fit your needs. Get a hold of Rich or stop in 6901 Fish Lake Road in Maple Grove on the website maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Chris and I were in here yesterday after the show. The Twins game was on, and Chris said, holy mackerel. Uh, Kershaw's got a perfect game going. What at what point did you tell me that through six? I believe it was through the sixth. Then through the sixth, and so we watched it, and then uh, we both said he better not get yanked. When they start, I saw he was throwing in the seventh inning, and they showed a shot of the Dodgers bullpen, and it's Blake Trinan, Johnny. He was yeah. warming up, and I thought they can't take him out. He's got a perfect <laughs> game. So they hooked him. He did not come out for the eighth. He was six outs away from what would have been the twenty third. Perfect game in the history of baseball. Perfect is no runs, no hits. No base runners. No nothing. No nothing. Nine up and nine down. Yep, and he had 13 strikeouts when he oh, got the hook. 27 up. Nine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was irate, and, and uh, then I, I even made sure last night that to watch the replay of the game on BSN because uh, I wanted to see for myself I did not detect uh, disappointment in Kershaw's reaction to being told that he was hooked. And by the way, he was going through the line, the Twins lineup with with ease, such right. ease that those boys were checked out. I mean, they they had <laughs> they had one foot in the clubhouse. They well, do you know what you can how you can determine that the game took two hours and thirty four minutes. Right, and it, it was the, the the Twins wanted that game over with. Okay, so we're I'm, I'm leading up to a point here. Uh, then I went to the Los Angeles Times website. I think Jack Hansen covers the uh, Dodgers for the Times. I read his game story, and it was a very thorough account, uh, offering all these plausible reasons why Dave Roberts didn't let Kershaw go back out. Well, he almost had to have Tommy John surgery last fall. Uh, he hadn't thrown since. Uh, he's only started throwing again in January. Uh, he didn't get as much uh, throwing in as he wanted. And, and we want to win a World Series for the Dodgers fans. We, we were thinking of... Because uh, it's been so long. It's, it's, it's exactly <laughs> what I've been saying. They're always playing some future game. And it, it, proof of that was Baldelli not pulling that hippie who gave up about five home runs in a row. Mm-hmm. Who was that kid? Rodriguez. Rodriguez. He should have been pulled. I don't know if this is true or Pat just having fun, but apparently it's Pudge Rodriguez's kid. I didn't know that. Unless Pat was just making a quip on Twitter. Whatever. Anyway. So then I calmed down. I calmed down and thought, I can't fight this. Uh, this is baseball now. This is, this is what it is. And it struck me is that they're not behaving like men. That was one, my, my deepest thought is, I mean, I went back and I did some research on Ted Williams at the final game of what, the 42 season or 41, 41 season. Uh, he was statistically uh, using the tenths of points. He would have been said to have had a 400 batting average for the year if he sat out, and and then he would have been he would have threatened to lose that 400 batting average if he played and failed. He said, "Well, no, hell no, I'm playing." Well, we don't have that attitude anymore, and I don't think it's just in baseball. I think it's in life. I do too. Yeah. Did you see the Kershaw quotes? Uh, I saw something, Johnny, no. where he basically said this was a team decision. I would have loved to have stayed in the game, but bigger things, man. 
bigger things. He said it was the right decision. And then he said, blame it on the lockout. Blame it on my not picking up a baseball for three months during the offseason. But it's and precisely it it's precisely because of the lockout that baseball needed that moment. Yes. Yep. Baseball needed the headlines. Baseball needed to show the public what it still is. And they have nothing to show you what still is. Case in point. Uh, we don't need to go back that far. What year did the Rays play the Dodgers in the World Series? Was that two years ago? I don't know. Okay. Blake Snell had a shutout yeah. through seven innings, had a very low pitch count, and he got hooked. And you see him on the mound saying, what the bleep are you taking me out for? It was game yeah. six. Yeah. The season, that was his last time he was going to throw. And you could see the relief in the Dodgers' dugout when that happened. Instantly yeah. turned it around because he was dominating them. Yeah. Yeah. So what what deeper societal dynamics can we can we conclude from that, or am I just going to be am I being over the top? Because this this quite clearly to me is the game now. You're, this, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And I still love baseball, but there are a lot. Mike and I talked about this on our show yesterday because it had happened right before we started recording. There are so many issues I have with the way the modern game is played. You know, the, the beauty of baseball is there isn't a clock, which, of course, people have taken advantage of, and that's now why we have four-hour games. But I, I, I tend to agree with you, Joe. I, sure. I, I don't like this. this is a Let, bad let's, look. let's stick to just Kershaw. Can, can I say one thing? Yeah. What happened yesterday is one of the reasons why Putin invaded the Ukraine. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you're wrong. You, you are talking about a systemic failure of... Fortuitedness. Uh, what's the word I want? Uh, Wussies. Gumption. You're talking about a systemic failure of gumption. A bunch of panty wastes. What's going to happen uh, on August 10th? The the uh, the Dodgers are in the race, and Kershaw goes uh, seven perfect innings against the Giants and has thrown 78 pitches. Well, he's going to be relieved again. They're not going to. They're going to say, well, we have to have them healthy so we can win the playoffs in the World Series. They're not playing that game today. They're going to say, thank you for your great effort today. Maybe they have fun. And by the way, playoff baseball is even worse. They pull starting pitchers out in the third inning. Right. Is there a manager in baseball that would not have pulled him? Yes, Chris. Dusty Baker. Right, Johnny? That's true. Dusty Dusty would have left him, let him play. Yeah. I did see a quote, you guys remember Fergie Jenkins, right? Sure. Hall of Fame pitcher? Sure. Uh, I, I didn't know you were going to talk about this, Joe, but I wrote it down. Uh, he tweeted, not even if I had a broken arm and had to roll the ball over the plate, right. am I leaving a perfect That's game right. in the seventh That's exactly the attitude you need. <laughs> I know a Fergie Jenkins. Uh, what, what was his last name? Fergie Jenkins. Jenkins. Ferguson yeah, Jenkins. I know one. He drives the milk truck up here. Yeah, that's not the same guy. <laughs> By the way, uh, I can link... The Clayton Kershaw incident to automobile manufacturing. Oh, boy. When the push for electric cars came on so strong, no one, to my knowledge, in the automobile manufacturing industry stood up and said, wait a minute. Hold up. When I, you, you don't know what we got going here. We're, we're making vast improvements in our gasoline mileage and on and on and on. When Dave Roberts said to Clayton Kershaw, you're not going back out, Clayton Kershaw didn't put up a fight. He might tell you now he didn't like it. He would have preferred to stay in. But he didn't say, wait a minute. He didn't Jack Morris the guy. To Tom Kelly. 
<laughs> it's a shame what we're and, and one of the reasons I like hockey is you're not getting that a lot in hockey. No. You're just not getting it a lot in hockey. Oh, no, what you are getting though are absurd fines for somebody flashing the middle finger oh, so great. after having a tilly. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> hey, so he... you'll allow them to beat the ever living H out of each Who other. Who got fined the four grand? Uh, Hartman. 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 Yeah. By the way, you did see that Evander Kane's ex wife has offered to pay. Donated some money. Or donated to money to, to pay him for giving him the middle <laughs> finger. That's so great. <laughs> well, uh, you know what you're, you're. Hey, look at look at the NBA. You have scheduled days off for rest mm-hmm. for players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, who didn't play yesterday? Korea. Yeah, he was. Uh, Did he, was he not... need a rest already? Well, it was five games in, Joe. This 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 is not sustainable. This this game is ruining itself. It's it's buying into too much wokeness. I don't disagree with that. As wokeness might apply to just behavior in general. The, he threw 80 pitches. The Twins were a butter in his hands. He might have had to throw six more pitches. And the game would have been over. <laughs> anyway, or I don't know where you are in this, John, but I think it's a terrible, terrible sadness, a terrible disappointment. Yeah, I agree. I agree well, completely. If the game ends early, that means they're not going to be able to get their spot load in. So maybe... This had to do everything to do with business. And had nothing, nothing to do with business. And nothing Mr. to do with the game. Had Black nothing to do with anything except the decline of. I, I, I would say that there was a little absence of ethical clarity there. We have a we have a responsibility to do our best By the all way, the time. Uh, our guy Judd was in was in the press box. The Dodger fans were booing. Because there were a ton of Dodger fans there yesterday, and they were booing the the hell out of Dave Roberts. But what's under? Is it say is is the word attack? Exceptionalism is often scoffed at, or taken t- taken out of equations. It would have been an exceptional achievement to start off the season with a guy having the twenty third perfect game in baseball history. Just what baseball needs mm-hmm. to reclaim his credibility and to be apologetic for the lockout and to. And to reinforce the idea that we're still strong individual champions. And look what our guy did. A, a perfect game. No. No, they don't do it. You know, I agree with you on all this, Joe. But I don't think I, I'm quite as worked up about it as you are. Because and I'm attaching to it too much of the stuff we talk about outside of baseball. And I was just going to say, and I don't attach to it all the things perhaps yeah. that you are. I do. I so, do. I, I'm, I'm, of all of us, you should be the most outraged. Yeah, that's Me? what I thought. Yeah, you, John. Well, I, I'm not outraged. I, I, I wish they left. What would them it in take to get it's... you outraged about anything? Yeah, what do you love in life? Do you not love anything? Are you, are you <laughs> John, without wow. a soul? You Ouch. have no soul. Oh man. Uh, the last perfect game, I by tried. the way, was Felix Hernandez for the Seattle Mariners on August fifteenth of two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're so rare. Wow. I mean, in fact, there were three that year. Yeah. I remember this because Matt Kane threw one, right, Johnny? And then there was yep. another guy that threw, threw one in 2012. But you mark my words. If this happens again this season, they'll think nothing of yanking him or whoever it is. Well, if it happens in August, 
I'm with you on the exceptionalism argument, okay? Yeah. Uh, then I'm with you yeah. if it happens in August. Yeah. And this would have been our second, because didn't Wells throw one against us back in 98 or something? Yeah. David Wells? When he yeah. was with the Yankees. Yeah. Who was royally hung over, too, that day. Was he? Mm-hmm. He's told that story, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I... Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is the new... <laughs> this is the that new is normal. the second time you have used that cop-out today, Joe. What? You, what? You, the, what are we going to do? You, or what are you going to do? You set it for the situation in Maplewood. Or why are you giving in? Well, I don't think I gave in. I just gave... Probably harsher words about this than anybody in Los Angeles on the radio for podcasting. Then then keep fighting. Don't give me the what are you going to do BS. All right, I need help with you baseball historians. Joe, when you were covering baseball back in 1908, uh, (laughs) who were the Cleveland Naps? What franchise did that turn into? Do you guys know? Didn't they become the Spiders? be the Spiders. Oh, okay. Indians. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now the Guardians. And now the Guardians. Mm Mm-hmm. Which they should have went back to the spiders. That would have been a spectacular name. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't see this in golf. <laughs> How about NASCAR? Nah, you don't see. Oh, no, NASCAR. I tried to break out in a fight. I tried to come up with a, a racing analogy. I couldn't come up with one. You know, golf's a gentleman's game, full of honor. You'll experience that at the Legend in the Quarry at Giants Ridge, two of the greatest values in Minnesota golf, not to mention nationally. You're not going to find two courses that great next to each other. So uh, take advantage of a 37-hole special this summer. Play the Legend and the Quarry on the same day between June 4 and August 29 for one incredible rate with lunch on the club uh, on them. Giants Ridge offers group golf rates for groups of eight or more. They'll put together a neat... uh, I want to try the fin cycle. That's a new uh, way to get around the course. It's a single rider electric golf cycle. That's going to bring an element of fun to your game. Zipping around there like you're in Sherwood Forest and you're Robin Hood. You, uh, Robin Hood, it's like the clubs are in a quiver <laughs> and you're speeding around the forest. And boy, do they have forests and beautiful nature and lakes and uh, uh, also a mountain biking destination. And remember that Golf Pass listed the Iron Range as a top 100 golf destination in the world last year. That's amazing. And Golf Digest Editor's Choice Award, Best Golf Resorts in the Midwest 2021, the Quarry and the Legend at Giants Ridge. Did I mention mountain biking destination? Go to uh, GiantsRidge.com and view the 3D course flyovers of the Legend and the Quarry and use uh, uh, GiantsRidge.com to make your Tea time. Hey, GLers, Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Centers now carries Traeger Grills. It's perfect for any summer barbecue, family gathering, or get together with friends. With a Traeger Grill from Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Centers, you'll be the talk of the block. And right now, Garage Logic is giving you the chance to win a brand new Traeger Pellet Grill from Fratelloni's. It's valued at over $1,100. If you can guess the date and time of this year's Garage Door opener. It's easy to do. Just go online to garagelogic.com and guess the Friday and the hour in which we are going to hit 70 degrees in Minneapolis. And then one lucky winner is going to receive a brand new Traeger Pro 780 Wi-Fi pellet grill with grill cover and accessories. To enter, once again, visit garagelogic.com and make sure to check out the new line of Traeger grills at Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Centers. 
You're listening to Garage Logic right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking to you about your business right now, telling the thousands of loyal GLers about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with the Garage Logic podcast. It's easy. Visit garagelogic.com now, enter keyword partner, P A R T N E R, fill out the form. We'll get in touch with you very quickly. Once me and the dummies start talking about your company, you're going to be amazed at how many GLs just start showing up. Easy to do. Do it right now. Visit garagelogic.com and enter keyword partner. Truth, justice, and the Souteray. I don't know. David Procher says summer's on on it the way I don't know if I believe him anymore. Uh, Get it before the snow flies. Again, (laughs) I I was actually seeing snow flying earlier today in the Twin Cities, that beautiful lawn. There's snow all afternoon, Ken. Yeah, if if summer ever comes, that beautiful lawn will come with it as long as you click on professionalturf.com. Get signed up. Uh, you do that. First of all, you're going to have to get an estimate. Um, if you're a brand-new ProTurf customer, you've never been before, uh, what happens is uh, ProTurf sends out a uh, experienced service tech who's going to walk your lawn, analyze the situation, and set you up with the three- to five-step program, weed control application, and fertilizer. It's environmentally safe. It's guaranteed for superior results. It's basically guaranteed you'll have the best lawn on the block. No crabgrass, no dandelions, no broadleaf weeds. Uh, weeds. Everything fills in. It gets luscious and luxurious. They've been around since 82. They know a thing about a thing or two about lawns. You can schedule that free in-person lawn care estimate right now at ProfessionalTurf.com. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. This uh, update is brought to you by ProfessionalTurf.com. I did a little research because that Cleveland Naps thing, of course, uh, made my mind go. Uh, the Cleveland team was originally the Cleveland Lakeshores. Huh. Well, I like that oh, That's name. a cool name. Yeah. Uh, then they were the Cleveland Bluebirds, 1901. Huh. Then they changed their name to the Cleveland Broncos in 1902 and then renamed the Naps for 1903. Nap or Nat? Nap. Naps. N-A-P-S. wonder what that meant. I don't know. Uh, then in 1912, the Naps, now here's the most interesting one to me, became known, uh, this kind of mixing your sports and politics, as the Cleveland Molly Maguires. Who was Molly Maguire? Molly Maguires were, they were an Irish. Uh, she was a bartender in an Irish bar. No, no, it was, they were an <laughs> Irish group. Actually, they, they got in trouble in the U.S. They were oh. mostly in, in Ireland, but they oh. got in trouble in the U.S. They were in the coal mining operations wow. and uh, they were involved in some kidnappings and that sort of thing. Metallica did a cover of one of their songs yeah. too. Stunk. Then, Whiskey in a Jar. And then in 1915 they became the Indians. Okay. There you go. I love the Guardians. I've always Guardians. thought the Mistakes would be a really good name for Cleveland. The Mistake by the Lake? The mistake yeah. by the Lake. Yeah. yeah. I do. That is cool. They, they, the Guardian name is so, it's lazy, isn't it? Not as lazy as Lakeshore's. <laughs> Well, I like it. You just I, said I like it, it, but I mean, you know. I, so uh, wait, so the Spiders were a completely separate franchise, Johnny? Apparently, yeah. These this was the American League franchise, names, huh. according to what I just read. Anyway, gotcha. That's enough. Okay. In news, Minnesota go, uh, gubernatorial candidate Rich Stanick was taken to the hospital for injuries. He suffered in a car crash Tuesday. He's okay though. Uh, he was taken, and I'm sorry to uh, say it, but out of an abundance of caution, mm-hmm. according to a spokesperson. He didn't pull a Hutchinson, did he? No, uh, no he was no, at no. A, he was at an event. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, crash incident well, so was report. Hutchins. 
said it happened at 8.30 at the intersection of Highway 25 and Caitlin Street in Buffalo. The crash report says he was leaving the parking lot when he crashed into a Chevrolet Malibu. Stanek's campaign spokesperson confirmed he was returning from a campaign event. No alcohol involved and both drivers were wearing seatbelts. Both drivers' injuries are listed as not life-threatening. The driver of the other car not taken to the hospital. The Minnesota Department of Corrections is hiring a tattoo supervisor. Hopes the, hopes the position will lead to fewer reoffenders. The department posted the wait, job, wait, wait. which huh? is. Yeah, well, let's let him finish the story. Sorry. The department posted the job, which is based at the Stillwater Correctional Facility earlier this month, offering to pay between 59 and 87 grand per year. The posting has raised some eyebrows, but the DOC says it's part of a pilot program that aims to address a couple of issues. About 95% of all incarcerated people in Minnesota prisons will be released eventually, according to DOC officials, adding that one of the most significant factors in reoffending is a lack of employment. According to the DOC, people who have felonies or jail time in their histories often face significant barriers when trying to get a job, and the tattoo industry is one field that often has opportunities. By creating a licensed tattoo establishment in prisons, the DOC says it will offer inmates a path to becoming a licensed tattoo technician in hopes that it will help the inmates find jobs when they're released. Also, the department says prisons have a problem with illegal tattooing. Inmates often use materials and techniques that aren't sterile, and that can lead to transmission of bloodborne diseases like hepatitis C. Not only is it dangerous for inmates, but illegal tattooing can also be expensive for taxpayers. The department says it hopes the tattoo pilot program will not only help reduce the number of reoffenders, but also create a safer environment and save taxpayers money. Um, I need to clarify something. Yes. Mm-hmm. That would have been the third time the Twins had a perfect game thrown against them. Catfish oh. Hunter also threw one against In them. In 1968. Yes. And by the way, who has had the most uh, as a franchise? I don't know. Franchise. Yankees, probably. The Tampa Bay Rays. And really? they've only been around since 1998. Wow. They've had wow. three perfect games thrown against them. How many of the I mean, Dodgers have? Because they had Don Larson. I was looking that up. They've, they've might, might Kershaw have only been the second in that storied franchise? Uh, Colfax threw one well, in Colfax six, had 65. One. That's right. That's right. But that would have been the fifth time the Dodgers were involved in yeah. a perfect game. Because yeah. Dennis yeah, Martinez. Because Larson threw one against them. And Joe, so did Dennis Martinez. Them. Oh, boy. For the Expos. Yeah. A man was shot after getting off a Metro Transit bus Wednesday afternoon in Minneapolis. The Transit Police spokesperson said an argument on a northbound bus along Chicago Avenue led up to the shooting. Police say a male boarded the northbound bus at about 3 in the afternoon, got into an argument with another male passenger. They both got off at the East 33rd Street stop, at which point the male, who boarded about 3 o'clock, shot the other man and fled. The victim was shot in the leg, transported to a nearby hospital. No one else injured in the shooting. The suspect is not in custody. Metro Transit Police are looking for the shooter at this time. The man accused of shooting 10 people on a Brooklyn subway train was arrested yesterday, charged with a federal terrorism offense after the suspect called police on himself, told police to come get him. 62-year-old Frank R. James taken into custody about 30 hours after the violence on the rush hour train. James was due to appear in court this afternoon on a charge that pertains to terrorist or other violent attacks against mass transit systems, carries a sentence of up to life in prison. 
The number of people seeking unemployment benefits ticked up last week but remained at a historically low level, reflecting, according to the experts, a robust U.S. labor market with near-record high job openings and few layoffs. Jobless claims rose by 18,000 to 185,000 after nearly touching the lowest level since 1968 the previous week, two years after the coronavirus pandemic sent the economy into a brief but devastating recession. American workers, according to the reports, are enjoying extraordinary job security. Weekly apps for unemployment aid have remained consistently below the pre-pandemic level of 225,000. President Biden's approval rating is at an all-time low, according to a new Quinnipiac poll released yesterday. When asked if they approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president, 33% said they approved, 54% expressed disapproval, and 13% of course said they don't know or don't have an opinion. Biden's approval rating previously hit 33% on January 12th, 2022, though his disapproval rating at the time was only 53%. Quinnipiac on other matters said in the wake of reports that Jenny Thomas, the wife of Clarence Thomas, communicated with former President Trump's chief of staff and urged him to pursue efforts to overturn the election. Americans think 52 to 39 percent that Thomas should recuse himself and not take part in any cases that have to do with the 2020 presidential election. Yes. Do you, do you have the story of the Guinness Book of World Records naming a Minnesota family the tallest family in the world? I don't. I did see They're it. from Esco, Minnesota. Yeah. They're the Trap family. Scott, 57, Christine, 52, Savannah, 27, Molly, 24, and Adam, 22. The family has an average height of 6 feet, 8.03 inches. This is amazing. They're, they mm-hmm. all are, are from the town of Esco. They all played sports. The youngest member of the family is Adam. I bet it was basketball. Who, to, uh, basketball and, and volleyball. Uh, who towers shoes. over his siblings and parents at an astounding <laughs> 7 feet 3 inches. Savannah, who is 6 feet 8, said her super tall little, little brother was the inspiration to reach out to Guinness World Records about the possible title. I felt like calling them, but then I realized I don't really know what I would ask them. <laughs> How's the weather up there? Hey! <laughs> hey <you know. laughs> Boom! But uh, congratulations to the Trap family. For all I know, they're GLers. That's uh, that's quite a quite a uh, so a group of tall people, isn't it? Congratulations on being tall. Congratulations on being tall. <laughs> I, I have a question. Don't don't put the story away yet. Yeah. yeah. What qualifies it? Is it the average height? Is oh, that what? For God's sake, you arcane. Uh, well, because there's a reason I'm asking. They had to go to an orthopedic doctor to be measured. Okay. They each had to be measured three times throughout the day, both standing up and lying down, and the average of those measurements was used to calculate their height according to the official record keeper. The average? Aren't they going to be the same height? Uh, The family has now met all the criteria to qualify for a place in the record books. All right, they're the new title holders. All right. There is a downside. They've had physical growing pains. Oh, sure. And they have to duck through doorways and... Uh, it's tough to find a car that can accommodate those long legs. Jeans. Uh, they, uh, but they're in there. They're in the book. So congratulations again for being that tall. An agreement's been reached between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Samuel Garcia, the governor of the Mexican state of Nuevo Leon, regarding delays at the border crossing between Mexico and Texas. The delays came a week after Abbott announced stricter border security measures and ramped up inspections in light of Title 42 lifting in May. 
Abbott was under considerable pressure from truckers, the Biden administration, and members of his own party to stop the inspections that were holding up goods and leaving long lines of semi-trucks lined up. In a statement, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Department called the extra layer of inspections unnecessary. Critics said the entire episode was a case of politics over policy and called it political theater. Reavers, look up Tommy McCarthy, who played for the North Stars. All right. I uh, just got a text from Patrick that Tommy McCarthy has died in Puerto Vallarta, where he lived. Uh, I don't think he's an old gentleman. Uh, I would be surprised if he's... Was Six, in 61 years old. 61 years old. Oof. And you give us, is it show the years he played for the North Stars? Uh, I can a very good up, player. I can pull up his page. I he have no idea in, why he died. He was born in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for the Stars from the 79-80 season until... The 85-86 season. All right. Thank you. Huh. What yeah. position? He was a forward. Oh. He also played for it, the Boston Bruins and and the Rangers, it looks like. 61 years old? 61. Jeez. Yeah. So he was on the cup team then in 81. Well, a team that did not win the cup. Well, but went to the right. cup. So, right. Sorry. You're right. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, protesters spent about four and a half hours at the police station last night following the video release of a man shot by a police officer. Demonstrators gathered at Rosa Park Circle at 5 p.m. and marched down Monroe Center to the police department headquarters. Organizers announced to the crowd that they would gather again tonight at the same time. The police department said the shooting happened on Monday, April 4th, after what police called a lengthy struggle. A car driven by the man who was shot, Patrick Loyola, was pulled over because of a license plate that did not match the car. Loyola ran from the officer after talking with him. The two struggled. The officer pulled his taser, but video shows Loyola trying to grab the taser. Various videos from the scene showed a struggle over the officer's taser that lasted about 90 seconds. The video then shows the officer shooting Loyola in the back of the head after telling him several times to let go of the taser. At the Grand Rapids City Commission meeting Tuesday night, City Manager Mark Washington gave an update. He said the city has expressed to the Kent County Prosecutor's Office their desire for fair and just decision on any potential charges the officer may face. The Kent County Prosecutor's Office says they have yet to receive the results of the Michigan State Police's investigation into the shooting. Uh, by the way, he was the owner of the Espanola Express hockey team. It looks like they are in the... Romanian Hockey League. Tommy McCarthy was? That's according to his Wikipedia oh, page. The hell, why is he, what's he doing in Puerto Vallarta? Well, he did, I also found out he did have some legal trouble after his playing career. Okay. What's Gretzky's, that got to do with Puerto Vallarta? No, I, Gretzky is 61. Yeah. Wow. Bobby Smith, 64. Wow. See, Kane, if, if, Kershaw, if Kershaw would have been allowed to finish that game and get a perfect game, that's what the country would be talking about, not the lockout or this or that. But they would be talking about just what we were talking about earlier. Oh, remember when so-and-so had one against the Twins and this, mm -hmm. and that's what would have happened. What does that have to do with? My mind had a little glitch in its uh, neuron firing there. Steve Payne, 63. Mm -hmm. So Steve played with him. Yep. Oh, sure, yeah. Yep. Um, did you say he was born in Toronto? Yes, sir. As was Painter. As was Gretzky. Right. As was Dave Keon. As you want me to go on? As was Andrew Wiggins. As was and 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 well, <laughs> some of them were born near Toronto. Where were you born, Louis? I suppose Louis. Uh, oh, I was born in Sault Ste. Well. Marie. I came down from the Sioux. 
How'd that go? You come down and Phil Esposito were buddies as friends. We lived in the Sioux and came down here. The Sioux. Yeah. The Russian Navy's Black Sea flagship has been seriously damaged by an ammunition explosion, according to Russian state media. Earlier, the governor of Odessa said that Ukrainian forces had hit the ship, the Moskva, with missile strikes. Governor Maxim Marchenko said Neptune missiles guarding the Black Sea caused very serious damage to the Russian ship Glory to Ukraine. The Moskva was originally built in the Soviet era in Ukraine's Mykolaiv, entered service in the early 1980s. Uh, you may have heard of this ship recently. It's the one that gained notoriety early in the war when it called on Ukrainian border troops defending the strategic Snake Island to surrender, only to be defiantly refused with an expletive. Right. The troops in question were initially believed to have been killed, but in fact had been taken captive. They were released as part of a prisoner exchange with Russia in late March. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is offering to buy Twitter, saying the, go, social, media, Elon, go. Saying the social media platform he's criticized for not living up to free speech principles needs to be transformed as a private company. Twitter Inc. said on a regulatory filing on Thursday that Musk, currently the company's biggest shareholder, has proposed buying the remaining shares of Twitter that he doesn't already own at $54.20 per share, an offer that would be worth $43 billion. Musk called the price his best and final offer, although he provided no details on financing. Twitter said it has received the offer. We'll decide whether it's in the best interests of shareholders to accept or continue to operate as a publicly traded company. The billionaire has been a vocal critic of Twitter in recent weeks, mostly over his belief that it falls short on free speech principles. The social media platform has angered followers of Donald Trump and other right-wing political figures who have had their accounts suspended for violating its content standards on violence, hate, or harmful misinformation. Musk, who has described himself as a free speech absolutist, also has a history of his own tweets causing legal problems. Uh, his 81 million Twitter followers make him one of the most popular figures on the platform. Musk and Tesla in 2018 agreed to pay $40 million in civil fines and for Musk to have his tweets approved by a corporate lawyer after he tweeted about having the money to take Tesla private at $420 per share. That didn't happen, but the tweet caused Tesla's stock price to jump. Musk's latest trouble with the SEC could be his delay in notifying regulators of his growing stake in Twitter. What is meant when you guys have referred to uh, a, an edit button on Twitter? What does that mean? You can't edit your tweets once you put them It's in out there. there. So when Chris tweets about what was on the GL podcast today, right. and he makes 14 mistakes, yeah. he can't go back and fix it. I oh. have to delete it and start all over I again. I see, I see. Whereas with Facebook, you can go in and you can change the copy that you've written. So. Is it that one on, thing Musk wants? Doesn't he want an edit button? No, he's yes. all for yeah. Well, yes, but the main thing he, he wants is free speech. Oh. I've been on Twitter since 1976, and let me tell you, <laughs> The most fun I've had. It didn't exist till 2008. Uh, Okay, thank you, pedantic. Um, (laughs) The most fun I've had was today reading people lashing out against Elon Musk. They are so, their panties are so twisted. I'm moving out of this country. Well, (laughs) well, that's what somebody had basically said, Kenny. It said uh, the the I'm leaving Twitter if Elon Musk purchases is the same as I'm moving to Canada if Trump gets elected. How fun would it be if he did this and then shut it down? Oh, it'd be spectacular. Fired everybody, turned off the lights, sold all the I'd office do. equipment. It'd I'd, be I'd so like awesome. That. 
I'd like that because then I wouldn't have to worry about Twitter anymore. I would. It would just be so fantastic. I would just love it. But the it. problem is, the, I don't disagree with you, Kenny. I would bring me great joy. The problem is someone would start, you know, Smitter or something very comparable. Uh, the thing is, it would be like Facebook for me. I wouldn't go on it. Joe, are you on uh, Twitter right now? Is that I what you're doing? I was looking at Elon Musk saying, I made an offer. I yeah. made an offer. Yeah. The Library of Congress's National Recording Do you see Registry. what the offer? Hold on a second, John. Do you see the number there? $44 billion. Uh, well, No, you rounded it off. 54.2, or no. What was I it? don't 40, see the number. I just heard John say it. 43. And I think it ended in 420. Hmm. I don't know and what then, that means. Well, it's 5420 is $54.20 per share. Yeah. 5420. 420. 420, yeah. Well, <laughs> Library of... I got it. Oh. Well, Library of Congress's National Recording Registry announced its latest selection of 25 recordings chosen for cultural, historical, or aesthetic importance in the nation's recorded sound heritage. They do this every year. Uh, this year, there are some uh, crowd-pleasing favorites, including Journey's Don't Stop Believin', Don't Stop, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, and the infectious Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin, all now honored forever by the nation's library. Uh, lots of older good stuff uh, is going in. Ernest Tubbs walking the floor over you from 1941. Who did oh, that? That's, Ernest Tubbs. That's a good song. That was for Journey. Oh, oh thank you. Okay. How about Ricky Martin? That, that I don't, I don't mind. Yeah. Ellington at Newport, 1956. Uh, Moon River by Andy Williams, 1962. Reach Out by the Four Tops. Uh, the Great Nick of Time album by Bonnie Raitt, 1989. The Low End Theory album by Tribe Called Quest. Uh, Songs in the Key of A Minor by Alicia Keys in 2001. They also throw in other recordings not involving music this year. That includes FDR's speeches, Hank Aaron's call, 715th home run, 9-11 news recordings, and Mark Maron's podcast that interviewed comedian Robin Williams. John, do you like the Journey Segway song where they kind of do two songs at once? They go from feeling that way into uh, anytime, and it's just vocals, and it's uh, all... Um, I, I'm not fishing because it came on the it came on the radio the other day and and you know I'm a journey hater, um, no. and I found myself singing journey along. I, I found myself singing along and actually enjoying that segue. I uh, I don't care for that one very much. The only thing I really like by them I like the song Lights, but I hate the guitar solo. Remember Lights? You remember Joe, what's lights? your favorite journey? What about not lights? have one? Go down in the what city. about wheel in the sky keeps oh, on turning? I hate that song. I, I just I can't. Don't tell know where. Yeah, they're an awful band. The and new they're owners. Crying, of, they're crying with dollar and wiping their tears with the hundred dollar bills. The new owners of the Field of Dreams site in Iowa plan to use eighty million dollars in private investment to make the popular tourist attraction a destination for youth baseball and softball tournaments. I've seen that field. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. The, the Des Moines Register reports that Go the Distance, the new company that owns it, said in a news release, the money will be used to build those fields, team dormitories, and a hotel, among other improvements. Uh, the CEO, by the way, of Go the Distance is uh, Frank Thomas, Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Baseball. Uh, the site in rural Dyersville, Iowa, has long been a popular destination since the 1989 Kevin. Wait, is he the guy no. on uh, the TV commercials for guys that can't, uh, yep. that need a crane to get it? Uh... <laughs> I think that's quite how he, he announces it, is it? 
if you need a crane. By the way, uh, I was there with the the boys many years ago when they were really, really little. And the, the residents and people that live around there, they hate the idea of what they're doing with that with that area. Oh, I'd just be insanely uh, enraged. Yeah. By I the am. way, Kelsey sent a picture of that mansion on Minnetonka that is the source of the controversy with the neighbors yeah. on either side. It dramatically impacts the view of the neighbors on either side. Okay, that's so that's why. Yep. Big deal. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, we got a source that can get us real estate pictures. Oh. Okay. So they're going to win this lawsuit? Is that what you're thinking? I have no idea. No, they didn't file in time. Oh, that's they're right. They're not going to win. That's right. Are we uh, playing a major league game again this year at Field of Dreams? I thought they were going to make that a yearly thing. I, I thought, too. I, I do know someone that worked the Yankee game last year and yeah. said they could not have treated the st- And all the staff was volunteer because they said, yeah, you can come and watch the game. They couldn't have been uh, more unaccommodating for the staff. Oh, that no. What, volunteer- the two teams? Well, the people that were in charge of running, you know, concessions and oh, tickets and oh, whatnot. Oh. Yeah, they weren't very kind to the volunteer staff. Johnny, thank you. You bet. We'll, we'll uh, return with much, much more. Okay, Mr. Positive, Mike Schoonover's on the hotline. Mike, he's, uh, well, his last name is Schoonover. That means he's running Schoonover Body Works in Glass in Shoreview, 1060 County Road E in Shoreview, basically right there on E, just a little bit uh, east of Lexington. He's the sole sponsor of Positive Thursday at GL. I hear you celebrated my birthday last Saturday in fine fashion, Mike, down at Lakeville. Hey, Kenny. You know what? We uh, You asked and we delivered. So, uh, yeah, we had a really good screen last Saturday at Lakeville. Great. Screened uh, uh, 200, 210 kids and and uh, found, uh, you know, 13, uh, 14 of them with a high high blood pressure and, and 13 that had, you know, uh, what we consider normal with minor variants. And simply what that means is they got to keep an eye on it because these kids are still getting mature and, their heart, you know, their their hearts are, you know, bodies are changing and that type of thing. So it's just something that they got to keep an eye on. Let but me, more importantly, we found six kids with abnormal heart conditions. Okay, that's what I wanted to get to. I was going to throw a curveball. So what happens then when when what advice do you give the parents and the student then when when you find that? Um, well, so so um, in a situation there was there was uh, you know a situation where uh, an individual had a family member pass away recently at a young age, an adult, and, uh, and they wanted to get their, their child checked out. And mm-hmm. it turns out that the child had a, or has a life threatening uh, condition with, wow. their, with their heart or something that will cut their, their life short. So, um, so there, when we find that out, those six individuals meet with our cardiologists and our doctors uh, we give them copies of the report. They make an appointment with their family practitioner, and their family practitioner then in turn uh, refers them to a cardiologist. Um, and so that cardiologist will then, you know, oversee them. So this individual that we found with this particular, uh, in this particular instance, is going to see a cardiologist next week. And, oh, um, wow. That, Thank you. That that's the best birthday gift you could have given me, Mike. That is fantastic. Thank goodness. So now, uh, basically, the his life expectancy has been extended now because he's going to seek out the help he needs. 
Yeah, and that's and that's really what we're trying to do, Kenny. We you know we don't want to do these heart screens forever. Uh, we want to do them long enough to build more awareness of what's going on. And and you have a you have a young man, you have young women who who have a heart condition and don't know about it. They go through their life and they start having issues. And by that time, the quality of life has depleted or mm-hmm. or deteriorated or or even worse, they've they've passed or have had a major mm-hmm. health issue. We just want to figure out a way of let's do the checking when they're young and identify these issues when they're young so that they can live a long and happy and healthy life. And um, instead of waiting till the very end and then there's nothing to do or you right. can't do it. Anymore. Right. So, so um, you've got another one coming up this fall, right? We do. Yeah, we got one coming up uh, October 29th at Eastview High School. Uh, down in Apple Valley, and we're we're planning the other ones uh, as we speak. We're just checking on dates and making sure that there's no conflicts because we really need the cardiologists there, and we really need the sonographers there. So, so we'll have we'll release all those dates. But the first one is going to be October 29th at Eastview High School, and uh, in the meantime, we're going to be, you know, looking at our gear and updating gear and and looking at our processes and procedures and and figuring out how we can streamline. Uh, what we currently do and make it better. And, and um, so we got all of our medical volunteers involved in figuring out how we can uh, deliver, you know, better, faster uh, screening results uh, in the future. Wonderful. Uh, a, a question occurred to me, Mike. So say a, a GLer is listening to this, you know, a month down the road, they hear this and they have had the same situation in their family. Somebody um, way too young to die has passed from a heart issue. They have kids. What should a concerned parent do? Meanwhile, can you just go to your practitioner and get the ball rolling? H- how does it work? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if, if yeah, absolutely. That would be a good way to start. And then, and then just pay close attention to, you know, blood pressure in, you know, left and right arms and, and, and checking pulse in, you know, all extremities, you know, to see that uh, it's the same throughout. Uh, and then, and then if there's any, you know, any question that a child has had uh, any dizziness or fainting spells or, you know, just doesn't feel well, um, that they should, that they then, you know, encourage the doc to, to give them a referral to a cardiologist. Right. Wow. Okay. Um, meanwhile, back in Shoreview, uh, how's the painting search for a painter going? Uh, it's uh, we're still searching. We're still searching. And, and Kenny, I don't know if we ever talked about it, but did you know that uh, women are more and more getting involved in the collision repair business, especially well, as, on the painting side? As they should. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it's wonderful, and uh, so we're you know we just we we just want to make sure that GLers know that this isn't a guy's only place to work, and and uh, women can make a you know it's a fantastic career for anyone, but especially women because you know we're, we're they're I don't know they're just cleaner and neater and smarter, more quality minded and smarter, and, calmer, you know, I mean, calmer. Yeah, there's just so many benefits. So. Usually more mature. Anyway, so. Yeah, more yeah. mature. No All doing. right. <laughs> All right, GLers, you've uh, you've heard it. Uh, if you know a painter, um, or if you are a painter, get a hold of Mike Schoonover, Schoonover Body Works and Glass, and 
Uh, it's a great place to sh- uh, stop for glass, service work, body work, oil changes, you name it. They do it all at Schoonover Body Works and Glass. 80 years strong in Shoreview, one of the best body shops in the metro, uh, and on the web at schoonoverbodyworks.com. Here's a guy with no musical soul, <laughs> Joe Suchere. It's been uh, reported on a number of sites, including Care 11, which did, they do that thing I admire called Verify. Verify, yep. And yeah. they, they have verified that, yes, uh, Black Lives Matter co-founders and higher-ups, they did spend $6 million to buy a mansion in Los Angeles. But what's being reported now is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter slammed the, uh, the country's triggering charity transportation laws after the organization's purchase of a $6 million Los Angeles mansion was exposed. Patrice Cullors, a BLM founder, said she found it triggering and emotionally compromising oh, come on. when she heard about financial documents being made public. <laughs> it is such a trip now to hear the term 990, Cullors said at the Vashon Center for the Arts Friday. I'm, it's triggering to me. Uh, I actually did not know what 990s were before all of this happened. Uh, Colors claim the activists' lives were put at risk and they endure trauma by having to disclose the charity's finances. Uh, we don't know that. Which also, while also claiming the system is being literally weaponized against us. This is according to the Washington Examiner. This is amazing. People's morals in an organization is so important, but if their organization and the people in it are being attacked and scrutinized, everything they do, that leads... This is, she's ottering this. This is an otter. You were against yeah. the United States of America. Yeah. I, we're not going to sit here and let wow. you question our fi- finances. <laughs> well, this is... Wouldn't this be fraud? Oh, man. But if the organization and the people in it are being attacked and scrutinized... At everything they do, that tends to uh, lead to burnout. That leads to deep like resistance and trauma, Colors said. Cullers, Colors. Colors blasted the media scrutiny of BLM as an experiment that will be used as a means to bring down other activist groups similar to her organization. Well, your organization is a fraud. They know that what they're doing, they're helping to create the infighting and how to create the distrust. She said, we have to stop it before they do it. We have to shut it down. We have to be showing up against it. How dare you suggest that we should follow the law? Right. I find that triggering and traumatizing. Right. Good God. She uh, said the uh, she left her leadership post with BLM in May 2021 amid scrutiny of multiple real estate purchases. Uh, she also used the $6 million mansion purchased by the BLM Global Network Foundation as a safe place for at least four nights during an FBI investigation into a death threat met against her. Colors is facing renewed scrutiny over the multi-million dollar mansion, which the BLM co-founder defended the purchase in a lengthy Twitter thread Monday. Uh, okay. Well, lady, laws are for not you, huh? God. Well, remember when I originally had that story on Tuesday, yeah. she blamed the New Yorker magazine because mm-hmm. they wrote the story. Yeah. She said, well, it's not a story they should be doing. Well, of course it is. Lady. Yeah, Come yes, on. it is. But again, it's, what, what happens now? I mean, this is obvious fraud. Does she serve time? Does... The embattled activist who is facing renewed criticism following reports BLM Global Network Foundation, while under her control, purchased a $6 million mansion in Los Angeles, uh, said she gets triggered whenever 
she hears the term IRS Form 990. The document <laughs> charities are required to file to the public every year disclosing their financial activities. Really? What? I actually did not know what 990s were. Well, you're supposed to know that, you idiot. You were the head of the group and you used $6 bucks to buy a house. I'm so sick of the word triggered. Can we put that on the list, please? Sure. I'm triggered when it's 30 degrees and the wind's blowing 50 miles an hour <laughs> sideways and it's snowing. I'm triggered. Caller said activists suffer trauma, that their lives are put at risk when charities under their control are required to disclose publicly what they did with their tax-deductible donations. This doesn't seem safe for us, the 990 structure, this nonprofit system structure, Caller said. This is... This is, like, deeply unsafe. This is being literally weaponized against us, against the people we work with. You're a liar, lady. Yeah, and she knows it. Well, remember, she is the woman. It doesn't really mention it. That's where it said she had other real estate uh, things. She's the one that bought the $3 million mansion for herself. Yeah. yeah. And the $6 million mansion is allegedly for BLM to use for their, uh -huh. Uh -huh. their work. So, Can you imagine... Getting away with claiming uh, the IRS uh, sends you a notice that uh, you didn't fill out form such and such, and you claim to say, I'm not going to, that triggers me? <laughs> would, you, would you get away with it? I no. think so. No. Uh, Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Only... Only. Because they come to us all the way from a cruise liner crossing the Atlantic from the traveling Lymans. It was on this day. Today is April 14th. Get this. In 1805, Pine City recorded a high temperature of 108 degrees. Oh, wow. But the world's ending, isn't it? In 1861, Minnesota is the first state to offer troops at the outbreak of civil war. Governor Alexander Ramsey is in Washington, D.C. when word of the attack on Fort Sumter arrived. He met with Simon Cameron, the Secretary of War, and offered 1,000 Minnesota soldiers for the country's defense. He then telegraphed Lieutenant Governor Ignatius Donnelly, who summoned volunteers from across the state. This group of men becomes the first Minnesota Volunteer Infantry Regiment. But let's pay reparations. In 1870, the St. Paul Academy of Natural Sciences was formed. The group suspended activities after the state capital fire of 1881 destroyed its collection, reorganized in 1890, and handed over its new collection to the St. Paul Institute of Science and Letters. In 1907, that institute evolved into the Science Museum of Minnesota. Oh, cool. In 1894, on this day. Today's April 14th. Organizer Eugene Debs called a strike by the workers of the Great Northern Railway. The railroad had imposed three wage cuts despite profits of over $5 million the previous year. As the strike progresses, other railroads, following the lead of the Great Northern in other strike situations, refused to help company president James J. Hill move his stalled trains. On May 1, Charles A. Pillsbury negotiated an agreement between the strikers and Hill, who consents to restore 75% of the wage cuts made earlier. Nice. Hmm. Uh, on this day in 1901, a poker game in Granite Falls ended in violence. Oh. After playing for several hours, local dentist S. Wintner noticed that his two kings have lost to two aces held by St. Paul card sharp William Lennard, the Irish Lord, eight times in succession. Wintner wow. produced a revolver. When Lennard proclaimed his innocence, fatally shoots him. 
At the trial later that year, Frank Nye for the defense made the creative assertion that gambling being a felony, Dr. Wintner had the right to stop such an act with violence if necessary. (laughs) There you go. The jury, perhaps unsympathetic to a crooked gambler, finds Wintner not guilty. Wow. Wow. The guy shot the guy who was playing with it. He's found not (laughs) guilty. Was it a Minneapolis uh, prosecuting attorney? It was 1901, right? Yeah. And finally, on this day in 1977, the Minnesota Asian American Project, an organization that promotes civil rights, affirmative action, and legal services for the Asian community, is officially incorporated by Dennis Tachiki, Gloria Kumagai, and Daniel Matsumoto. Matsumoto. Hmm. Thank you, GLers. Really quick, Kenny, you'll love this. Huh. I, I saw this this morning. I just tweeted this picture out from the Garage Logic podcast account. The Jordan Candy Store, which I drive by when I come here. Oh, that's a big one. So they have this big yellow billboard right in front of their main entrance. There's a Scott County deputy sitting behind it, and the sign reads, Slow down, there's a cop behind the sign. (laughs) And there really was? Yes. Oh, that is fantastic. It's really funny. Oh, I love that sense of humor. (laughs) Yes, John. Before before we leave today, I just saw this uh, on... uh, on Twitter, yeah. Have you ever seen Tom Brady's combine photo? He sure. looks like a 90, 93 pound weakling. No. Yeah. He just he just tweeted to Elon Musk, "If you buy Twitter, can you please delete my combine photo?" <laughs> That's fu- oh, now he's gonna get the uh, the scorn so, of the left. So did, so I take it you follow Tom Brady. Uh, no, somebody retweeted oh. it. I think. But is it a, an international or a John Deere? What kind of combine is he driving? Oh, God. with Chris, that, play the music. Yes. GLers. I know guys that they tweet combine pictures all the time. Okay. What are they harvesting? Beans, corn. Nice. So, GLers, speaking of social media, follow us along on all of our channels Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also do us a favor and subscribe to the Garage Logic YouTube channel and join the thousands of GLers that are enjoying daily content and download that PodMN app for your smart device where you have the chance to win prizes just by listening to Garage Logic. <laughs>